Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The NFL trading deadline is Tuesday, and some teams have already been wheeling and dealing. Will the Green Bay Packers try to swing a deal as well? Welcome, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another scintillating Packers podcast. You like that word scintillating, Rob? <laughs> yeah, we can tell you've been in the business for 40 or 50 years, Gary. Or you uh, <laughs> got the expanded vocabulary. Well, I so. don't know. It's my go-to word when I don't have another word, right? <laughs> when, I, when I'm lacking in adjectives. It's a great one, Gary. It always works. There you and, go. And, and it certainly works with your intros and your podcasts. <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, uh, we, we got a lot on our plate today, a lot of topics to discuss, including Tuesday's deadline. And, and I'm, knowing you, you got a bunch of names to throw out there and possibilities for trades for the <laughs> green and gold. But let's first start by recapping Sunday's uh, victory and uh, the resiliency of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' offense. Let, let, let's hit on the offense a little bit, Rob. Any impressions from your standpoint? Well, first of all, I mean, Gary, let, let, let's not get crazy. I mean, a lot of people made a big deal last week. Uh, Rodgers had called the Tampa Bay game an anomaly. They bounced back and played pretty well against Houston. I mean, they weren't beating the 2000 Baltimore Ravens the other day. They weren't beating the 85 Bears. They they weren't beating the 2015 Denver Broncos. They they were beating a team that came into the the game with the worst run defense in football that lost their number one corner that already was for two corner. Then in the number one corner was going to trail Devontae Adams all day. So all these people that wanted to throw parades and, you know, anoint Green Bay again, the, the best team in the NFC. I, I would caution to hit the pause button uh, on that one, Gary. It, it was a nice bounce back win. It, it was a solid performance for the offense. I mean, really, Gary, too, when you when you consider they played without the left tackle, Bakhtiari. They played without, obviously, you know, an elite running back in, in Aaron Jones, one of the better four or five guys in football probably at that position. They're already down two starters you know, with, with Lane Taylor being a preferred starter at guard and then Alan Lazard, a preferred starter at wide receiver. So they played that game, Gary, without four offensive starters and and still played extremely well. On the flip side, like I mentioned earlier, Houston's defense wasn't very good. They played without three starters the way it was. They lost Bradley Roby far and away their number one corner. He's trailed you know, or he's traveled with number one wide receivers, Gary, all season long. He was going to travel with Devontae Adams, much like Tampa Bay's game plan was the previous week to put their number one corner on Adams and try to keep him in check and then make the MVSs and the Shepherds and the Tanyans of the world go and beat you. But once Roby went down, Gary, it just it opened the floodgates for Devontae Adams, who, who obviously went wild with 196 receiving yards, and, and Rodgers took full advantage. And when they needed to make a play on third down, Rodgers went to Adams. Green Bay had seven third down conversions in that game, Gary. All seven were on passes to Adams. Interesting. And, um, that, yeah, that is the stat of the week. Good one, Rob. Pretty, pretty crazy. It's, it's a really great stat. You're right. And, you know, here's another one. Devontae Adams had 69% of their receiving yards. I mean, <laughs> when, when, when does a receiver have that, Gary? I mean, it's, it's Pre- crazy. Precisely. So, 
Yeah, I mean, again, the offense bounced back. But, again, you know me, Gary. I want to see him do it against San Francisco here in a little Mm. over a week from when this podcast is going to air. Do it against a a high-level defense, which, honestly, Gary, they'll they'll see Chicago twice. They'll see San Francisco here over the last, what, nine, ten games. And we'll find out what they do in, in those games. But but the rest of the games right now, at least on paper, Gary, it just, just aren't against even close to, to high-level defenses. We may not know exactly who these 2020 Packers are until the playoffs get here because I'm starting to get a hunch, Gary, that they're going to pile up a pretty nice record. But just like last season, they're going to go to the playoffs being about the third or fourth pick to come out of the NFC. Oh, exactly. You know, uh, two things stood out for me, Rob. They always, uh, what's the old adage, the key to success is preparation. Sure. And I'm not so sure how many teams are better prepared, at least offensively, going into a game than the Packers. Sunday, they scored on their opening drive, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they have scored on their opening drive in every game this year, right? Six for six, Gary. Yeah, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's another team in the NFL that uh, can say that. I think you are correct again. It's very rare, Gary, when you're wrong. So you, you don't even have to preface it with that. <laughs> I didn't know you knew my wife. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Gary, uh, I, I, I kind of know all wives, though. So, yes, that's that, just kind that of – that's kind of all-encompassing. There you go. <laughs> you know, and the other thing that, that stood out to me uh, was the play of Devontae Adams, and you made a good point. I mean, things changed during the course of the game with coverage on him. But I'll tell you what, he is really good. I, that, that might be the understatement of this podcast. But last night, I, I was given this more consideration. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, there's obviously, you know, four or five guys. I mean, you could easily pin that uh, label on. I mean, to me, Hopkins is the best of the group. And Cooper down in Dallas is, is, is obviously very good. But Devontae Adams is really, really emerging as a great wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, he really has, too, Gary, over the, over the last few years. Well, the only thing that has slowed him, and I, I think it's probably stopped him from getting the national attention he would have otherwise, is, is just a couple of these seasons he's been dinged. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of the last three seasons, Gary, here's another bizarre stat for you. He, he finished two of the last three seasons with 997 passing yards or receiving <laughs> yards. I'm sorry. So yes. he was three shy of a thousand. Um, I think it was 17 and 19 is, is when he had 997 both that he finished on that, on that particular number on the board. And, and you know how we start to, you know, you, you know how the national media gravitates and just, just people will circle guys as being elite standout type players. Once they hit that thousand yard mark, it's interesting. Right. He fell just short of that clearly it's it's due to injury last year he missed four games in 17 he was he was dinged a little bit but there, I mean there's no doubt Gary and uh he, he's one of the best five six seven guys in the league and he absolutely feasted on Sunday against really kind of a mismatch of corners that that Houston had left to, to cover him with I I never understood through the course of that game how the Texans didn't roll coverage toward him yes. and, and double team him yes. and take him away and I mean, much like San Francisco, San Francisco had one legitimate corner last year in the NFC title game, and they were they were kind of struggling at that other spot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, other spot on the field, and and they put all their attention into Adams. Tampa Bay put all their attention at Adam into Adams the previous week. 
I mean, it's always been the Bill Belichick philosophy, and and I, I guess I just didn't get it or understand, Gary. How do you not take away an opponent's number one weapon and then make the other complementary parts beat you? And I, I know some guys like Sternberger and Taylor had touchdowns along the way, but uh, you know they, they certainly weren't integral in, in, in winning that football game. Green Bay's passing offense began and it ended with Devontae Adams, and they're about as one-dimensional there as, as you can come up with. And and, that, and that's a credit to Adams as much as anything because, I mean, you know the ball is going there. I think he had 18 targets, was it, Gary? 16, something like that. Yep, I mean, yep. they, mm-hmm. they, they threw at him all day long. Houston knew where the ball was going. Rodgers knew where the ball was going, and, and they just couldn't stop it. It was, it was kind of like an NBA game, wasn't it? When, when Durant gets hot or LeBron gets going or, or what have you, you're, you're just not going to stop that player. And, and it, it just it shocked me that Houston didn't you know send two three guys his way with with various coverages and and tell MVS to go and beat him because right now MVS isn't beating anybody. Well, your take is identical to mine. I mean, I, I thought it was just absolutely ludicrous how many times Avante Adams was open. I mean, not open, wide open. You know, <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? There, there's one guy that you want to shut down. That's the guy. Anything else on the offensive side that you wanted to touch on from Sunday's game? Probably just the old line. I, I think, Gary, again, I touched on it slightly earlier that Bakhtiari missed it at left tackle with that chest injury. And, and that mm-hmm. sounds like it could be one that lingers. And, you know, Gary, they, they kicked Billy Turner over there. It's the first time he's played left tackle since 2016. He'd never played left tackle as a Packer. He'd only had one game in a seven-year NFL career at left tackle. That was, that was with the Dolphins back in, in 16. He, he was a, a left tackle in college for a few years, but, that again, that was lower level uh, where he was playing, and pretty much he, he bounced around at various offensive line positions since, since he came into the league. But he held up extremely well in, in his first look. I, I know, I think, I think it was last week on this show, Gary, we kind of debated the options the Packers – would have if Bakhtiari did miss and and I'll be honest I I wasn't I I didn't think they were going to move Turner over there I I kind of thought they were going to kick Jenkins out from guard to tackle and and go with Runyon Mm -hmm. leave Billy Turner alone and and probably leave Ricky Wagner on the bench Um, they clearly felt that you know inside their best five Ricky Wagner factors into that he's ahead of Runyon obviously uh, for them to take take the the path they took on Sunday and and not only did Turner play you know, winning football, Gary, he probably played at a B level, but Ricky Wagner hung in there pretty well too, for the most part against JJ Watt, uh, who he was lined up over the majority of that, of that football game. I, I know he got, you know, he got nicked here and there with a pressure and some bad runs and things like that. Anybody's going to do that against Watt. I mean, you're talking about a hall of famer, three time mm-hmm. NFL defensive player of the year. I mean, a, you know, j- just an outstanding football player. And, and, and there's five, six, eight, ten plays a game that J.J. Watt's going to make. And he, and he made a few again on Sunday. But but really, Gary, I, I mean, the, the job the Packers' offensive tackles did in that football game to keep Aaron Rodgers clean, I, I think Ro- Rodgers wasn't sacked, Gary, and he was only knocked down twice. Mm-hmm. Um, for that to happen with your best offensive lineman by a mile sitting out is is pretty remarkable. So, that's a real credit, I, I think, to that group. Uh, they can probably get by again this week without Bakhtiari against Minnesota, uh, which did, which just traded away the kid from they had picked up in the in the in the preseason from Jacksonville. They've, right. they've already moved on from him. They're not getting much of a pass rush, so I 
I would think Green Bay can be absolutely fine again this week, uh, Gary, with, with their offensive line, and, and maybe ideally circle next Thursday night uh, to bring Bakhtiari back when they have to travel out to San Francisco. Hey, was there any truth to the rumor that J.J. Watt got on the Packers plane after the game? <laughs> well, I, I, I have a gut feeling he really, really wanted to do that. <laughs> Gary, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and I, I've always thought J.J. Watt is the epitome of class and just a first-rate guy. Mm-hmm. If you watched his post-game press conference, every answer was two, three words. Yes, uh, he, very conspicuous. Yep, he's clearly a guy who's remarkably frustrated with what's going on there. At the end of the day, that's, that's probably not the best way to go about your business and, and to be lousy to the media. And I say that as a obviously biased being part of the media, Gary, but, but sure. that, 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 that's just really never a winning way to go up, you know, trying to, trying to get, get out of town and, and things like that is, is to be snotty to the media. And, and, and he was brutal, Gary. He, he was awful and uh, to the media. It, it's clear, I think, to everybody, he's probably tired of being there. He's tired of being with a franchise that, that's fallen short and now is clearly trending toward a rebuild. He's in the last two, three years of his career. He probably doesn't want to go out with an organization that's going to take at least a couple of years to bounce back and be competitive. So we talked about it. I know, Gary, last week on the show, we can we can touch on it again here when we get to the trading deadline part of things. J.J. Watt, as a guy who obviously wants to get out of Houston, would take that Packer defense in the blink of an eye from being mid-level to probably top eight. I mean, he, he's that good of a football player. You made the Reggie White comparison last week. It's, it, it, it's not a stretch, I don't think, with what he could give Green Bay here over the second half of this season. There's going to be a lot to keep an eye on in the next week when it comes to trading deadline kind of stuff. It, teams are a lot more active now, Gary, than they ever were because the trade deadline has been pushed back. I think teams are a little more willing than in the past to throw in the towel, say, in week eight or nine than they were in, in week four or five when the deadline used to be. And uh, so you get a lot more movement. You get a lot more trades these days, which I know is really fun and exciting for fans. And and Watt is certainly a guy who I think is going to be on the move here in the next few days, Gary. You know, one, one final thought on the uh, Packer game Sunday. Rob, if you went to Las Vegas before the season started – and said, you know what, the Green Bay Packers are going to have a game where Raven Green and Chris Barnes are going to be your leading tacklers. What do you think the odds of that would have been? <laughs> yeah, and Kamal Martin is, is second. in that group somewhere yeah. too, right, Gary? Right. And, and that Josh Jackson is going to have to play, what, 70 snaps or 65 snaps or or whatever he played the other day. and and you're going to hold up with Will Redmond at safety. I mean, yeah, we haven't even touched on the defense yet, Gary, but, but that's another – you know, on the other side of the ball there, I, I thought they were really outstanding for the majority of that game. I mean, it's 21 nothing, Gary, at halftime. Mm-hmm. I know they piled up some yards and some points in the second half, and, that, and that's what can lead to really uh, some misleading statistics at the end of the year when it comes to total defense. That, that 2011 Packer team was kind of victimized by that. Everybody wants to go back – and say, well, that team didn't play any defense. Well, they also had, you know, 25 and 30-point leads a lot of those games, and, and, mm-hmm. and some of their opponents scored 17 fourth-quarter points to make it look respectable as Green Bay played prevent. It kind of felt like that the other day, Gary, because Green Bay's defense for, you know, the overwhelming majority of that game w- w- was outstanding. And when mm-hmm. they had to make stops, Gary, 
they did twice in that fourth quarter. You know, I, I don't want to say the game was getting close, but it was 28-7 and then 28-10. You know, Houston drives inside the and and they had, you know, they had third down at the eight-yard line on, on each instance. And one time Amos gets a sack, and then another time, you know, Vernon Scott, of all people, makes a tackle in the open field and, and stops a running back, Duke Johnson, for a three-yard loss. They get the turnover to end the game after they can't come up with the onside kick. Green Bay misses the onside kick, Gary, obviously, and then they and then they force mm-hmm. their only turnover of the day. There was the fourth and one play, I think, right near midfield uh, when Houston was trying to come back, and Preston Smith probably makes his best play of the season when he stops Watson on the option uh, for a minus one or a minus two. Just top to bottom, Gary, I mean, I, I know you mentioned a couple of really key guys in, in Raven Green and, and, and Barnes again. You know, Green had to leave that game with the oblique injury and, and Barnes dinged his shoulder again. But those guys were really good. Again, I thought Kamal Martin had a heck of a debut, Gary. You know, playing 30 snaps in his in his first game back from, from injury. I, I think they've really got something there. Gary, they might not even, you know, certainly look into 2021. They're, they're probably not going to keep Kirksey on the roster, I wouldn't think. This Barnes-Martin combo might turn out to be you know, they're, they're, they're inside linebacker duo moving forward. And everyone talks about Green Bay's cap issues. They can save some money by doing that. I, I know I'm getting off on a, on a little bit of a tangent here, Gary, but the, the, the point is they, they've got some really interesting young players, I think, that, that they can bring along and develop for cheap. And, and that's the key to surviving and, and winning a lot of football games in, in the salary cap world that, that we're part of right now. So, yeah, overall, Gary, I, I honestly am – out of their six games, I think this was as good as they've played defense in, in critical moments and moments where it mattered, right? Red zone moments, they had the turnover at the end, no points in the first half. So on that side of the ball, Gary, it, it was remarkably encouraging. Yeah, like 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 I said, Rob, if Raven Green and Chris Barnes ever lead the Packers again in tackles, <laughs> I will take you to Cupies, the world's greatest hamburger place in Racine, Wisconsin, and buy you dinner. I'd rather you took me to Vegas, Gary. <laughs> well, I haven't we been could, there in a could, while. We could do that too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would be a problem these days. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we, I think we could find a room in that city these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, let, let's. Uh, we we just briefly touched on JJ Watt. You know, being a potential trade commodity there. If you were Gutekunst, what would be the positions? I, I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here that you would try to address via a trade. Um, is there one position or two positions that stand out that you feel they really need to upgrade? Gary, I think they really need another wide receiver, first and foremost. I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. it earlier. Devontae Adams had almost 70% of the receiving yards on, on Sunday. And, and when they get to the playoffs, I can promise you this, Gary, a San Francisco of the world, Tampa Bay, Arizona, you know, w- with Peterson over there, the Rams with Jalen Ramsey, they, they will take Devontae Adams away and they will say, you know what, you're going to finish today with five catches for 51 yards. You're not having 11 for 170, right? You're not having 10 for a buck 50 and, and two touchdowns. These really elite teams will take Adams away. So now who's going to beat you, right, Gary, on the way this roster is currently constructed? Maybe it's the running backs. I mean, we've seen they can throw it to Jones and Williams, and they've thrown it to Tanya in here from time to time. Lazard should come back in early December about is kind of the timeline on him. 
But, I, Gary, I really think they need another wide receiver, a veteran guy who can come in and, and, and maybe provide a speed element. That I think that would certainly help. I'm, I'm not a believer in, in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He teases you here and there, Gary, kind of like Corey Bradford 20 or 25 you, you, years you're, ago. You're absolutely right. You can't count on the guy. You know? can't count on the guy. He's, no. he's here one day. He's gone the next three um, that, that, that's a tough way to play football, especially come the postseason. And, and all of a sudden Rogers targets him 11 times and he, and he finishes the day with two catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're not winning a football game that way. So, you know, it's interesting, Gary. I mean, the Texans are going to have a fire sale. I mean, we, we've talked about JJ Watt, mm-hmm. but they're, they're going to sell off a lot of these parts here. I think in the next week, they're hurting, they're in really rough shape when it comes to draft capital moving forward. They don't have a one or a two, I think, in, in 2021. Um, and I'm not saying to give up a one or a two for these guys, but they're looking to start to recoup some of those picks. But they have three wide receivers I think they're going to dangle out there. Both Fuller, Will Fuller, the, the Notre Dame kid who Matt LaFleur coached at Notre there you Dame go. In, you know, six years ago. Good call. Uh, yep. He's a 4-3-3 guy, Gary, so you want to talk bringing some speed to town. That would that would do it. Brandon Cooks, who seems to get traded every other week, <laughs> he's going to be on the block. What, I think. What is again. it with Cooks? Jared Cook, I, Brandon I, Cooks, Brandon it's like, Cooks. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know why teams move on from him so quickly. Everybody talks about the concussion side of it, Gary, but clearly there's a there's all there's always another team willing to take him. I don't know if it's sure. something internal, if he's a locker room guy, that's a problem, or or what have you, or if it's it's just never quite because he was certainly a, a highly acclaimed player coming out of college. I think he was the 20th pick maybe in a draft. Um, but I think he's going to be dangled out there. And, he, again, Gary, he's a 4-3-3 guy. And then Kenny Stills, you know, an, another guy on that roster, I, I think is going to probably be traded. Mm-hmm. I, I, Houston's not going to trade all these guys, obviously, but I think they'll move on from one or two of them. You know, could they help Green Bay here in 2020? I think all three of those guys might come in immediately, Gary, and, and be an upgrade from MVS. Certainly Fuller and Cooks would. Excuse me, and Stills is probably the exact same guy as, as MVS and maybe a little bit better. There's some veterans, Gary, that are going to get traded. I'm, I'm not – or or we think are going to be tra- going to get traded. I'm not saying I would necessarily go do this because the cap number is going to be really high and you've got to work out some stuff, I think, financially to get them to fit. But I think Julio Jones, is, it could be on the move uh, from Atlanta. I think A.J. Green could be on the move and will be on the move from the Bengals. Those, those would be a couple guys you could maybe kick the tires I, I, on, Gary. Oh, uh, I, would, I would do more than kick the tires. Uh, if one of those guys was feasible in a trade, no-brainer, either one of them. All of a sudden, you have two of the best wide receivers in football. I mean, especially Julio Jones. I mean, I was going to say, I, I'm with you there on Julio. I'm not on AJ Green as much anymore. He's right, right. He's been dinged up so much the last couple of years. And I know Julio's fought some injuries this year, but it seems like he's getting back to health. He had a big game last week. And, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons Atlanta, you know, showcased him a little bit last week was, was leading into this to, to possibly move him by, by next Tuesday, Gary. So just kind of going – Going across the board, that John Ross on the Bengals, who's another mm-hmm. speed guy, is, is probably going to get going to get moved. Marvin Jones on my Lions might get traded. Gary, um, <laughs> I was I'm, waiting I'm not, for you to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure the Lions and the Packers make a deal being in the no. same division, but you know, they're, they're also two teams probably with 
much different expectations this year. So that, that could happen. You know, that's, that's a handful of guys, Gary, that, you know, Green Bay might have some interest in or, or could pursue. You, you've got to go find losing teams and losing organizations going nowhere. And, you know, that, that's maybe 10 or 12 teams right now in, in this, in this league, I'd say, Gary, there's probably still 20 teams in the league that, that think they have a shot to, to, to make a mm-hmm. run here at, at some point this in, in, in this particular season. So, you have to capitalize on the Houston's of the world, right? And, and, and those kind of teams, the Bengals, the Falcons, people like that. And I, I guess a few of those guys at wide receiver, Gary, make sense. We, we, we've touched on JJ Watt. I, I'm a big believer they need help on the defensive line still. I don't, I don't know how anybody can get the memory of the 2019 NFC championship game out of their head with 285 rushing yards given up in, in that game. San Francisco going for about six and a half yards a carry. I mean, that that's the blueprint to beating the Packers. Keep the ball away from Rodgers, run the ball, mm-hmm. and that's how teams will do it when we get to the postseason, I, I think, Gary. Watt might immediately change that. You know, Ryan Kerrigan on Washington's a guy being being rumored to be traded. I know Carlos Dunlop desperately wants out of out of Cincinnati and the Bengals. You know, there's there, there's some interesting guys out there, but I I think when it's all said and done, Green Bay, I know the defensive line in the last month or so, Gary, has been pretty solid. Um, they they've been better than than I think what we expected, and certainly better than the first week or two. They're going to be without Tyler Lancaster right now indefinitely, but a, it, it is interesting. A guy like Montrevious Adams has had a couple of pretty good games now, back to back. But I I still think when it's all said and done. They need some help up front for, for Kenny Clark. Um, Dean Lowry is kind of just a guy. Mm-hmm. Kiki's they, okay. They, they need help. They need help, right. Yeah, right. And, we go through and, these. And I'll give you another example, Rob. You know, like like Tampa Bay, they, they lose uh, Vita Bay, right? So they go out and get Steve McClendon. The guy yep. is, you know, what, 35, 36 years old. And yep. Probably couldn't beat Gilbert Brown in the forty. But you know what? He co- he comes in. They gave up a, what a, I think a sixth, seventh round pick, maybe both. Correct. Yeah. And this guy comes in and plugs the hole right off the bat. Gets five tackles on Sunday, and then they obviously the big news in the NFL was them signing Antonio Brown. And uh, I, I actually know an executive whose team Brown played for recently. And believe it or not, I mean this guy's got a ton of baggage. We all know that. But he said from a, a locker room standpoint, a team standpoint, he, he was really good. And, and then on top of it, this guy has been around the NFL for more than 30 years, right? He said from a physical standpoint, Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers he has ever seen. So my, my point to all this is Tampa Bay could have you know, stood pat, but they go out and get two guys, okay? So they make a run. And then you look at the Baltimore Ravens, legitimate, you know, Super Bowl contenders, and they go out and get the defensive end from Minnesota, and I'll probably butcher his name, Yannick Igakwe. Okay. And and I never say his name either, Gary. I, I always say <laughs> I always say the kid from Jacksonville, Minnesota, made the trade for. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, Yannick Igakwe. But I mean, this guy. It's a brutal name, right? He, he's a darn good football player. Oh yes. And, and, and the and the Ravens go out there, but but again, here's two teams that have Super Bowl in mind, and they upgraded. And uh, you know, to me, if the Packers stay in pat, the, the, they're making a big mistake. 
And, Gary, there will be three or four more teams that do that. I mean, New Orleans was already all in for this year. They, they know this is it for Drew Brees. Yes. I can guarantee yes. in the next week they will add a couple of parts where they think they've struggled. San Francisco has been unbelievably aggressive putting together moves at the trading deadline, moves on draft day to try to get their team over the hump. Uh, they've been dinged a little bit here by injuries, but they're getting their stuff figured out. And boy, they look like one of the five or six best teams again mm-hmm. in the National Football League. I, I can promise you John Lynch will be very busy again on, on trading deadline, the trading deadline approaches. The Chiefs, I know they don't have much money or any money really under under the cap, but boy, they just went out and added Le'Veon Bell, right? And I, I, a guy yeah, I, don't, I don't think they good need point. it, Gary. Right? No, I mean, no, not at all. <laughs> They, they they have more toys on the on that offensive uh, <laughs> side of the line than you know your your grandchildren will will probably ever see right Gary and you probably no, spoil I, your no I doubt like that crazy. I I, 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 I <laughs> doubt that I, you haven't seen their bedroom <laughs> it's like going to Toys R Us you know but anyways I mean I don't even know how Andy Reid puts together a game plan and says how do I keep right yes. how do I keep the rookie on LSU happy and Bell and and Kelsey and and Hill and um, Watkins and everybody else they have on, on that football team. It's, it's remarkable, right? So my point there is all the contenders, Gary, are adding pieces and are going to add pieces, and, and including the couple teams you pointed out. I, I think it would be a travesty right now, honestly, Gary, for, for Green Bay not to do it. As I look ahead to 2021, Gary, Green Bay's top 39 players that they have signed have left them just $4 million under the cap. That's all they have left. My point with that is it it almost shapes up that this is the year they have to make a run. They're going to have to start some kind of total reconstruction of this roster by 2021. They've got about 7.4. I I think the other day when I looked, Gary, it was 7.4 million under the cap to play with. They might have to get creative with a really big contract like we talked about, a Julio Jones, a J.J. Watt. They might even get need that player to redo the contract, Gary. Uh, but if a guy wants to come to a team like Green Bay bad enough, and maybe J.J. Watt does, maybe Julio who's never won a Super Bowl does, right? Maybe A.J. Green who's never come close to a Super Bowl does. And all of a sudden they say, all right, I'll tear up a $15 million contract and, you know, let, let's do a, a short-term deal here and, and, and they take dramatically less. I mean, the Packers only have to count them for the last 10 games anyhow once that contract is made, Gary. So mm-hmm. um, even a guy at, you know, $16 million goes down to $10 million because there's only 10 games left in the season. So there's my point is that there's always a way to get it done. Kansas City had all those free agents they had to get signed this last offseason, and somehow, some way, nobody got out of town, right? Andy Reid and his people, they got it done there in Kansas City. If, if Gutekunst really wants to go for it, and, and act like Ron Wolf and, you know, the, the guy who he started his career under, if he wants to remind people how Ron Wolf did business, he can, he can get after it here, Gary, in the next week or so and, and really give that coaching staff and, and that football team a, a chance to get over the hump. Because I'll be honest, the way the Packers are currently constructed, I know they're 5-1. and one. I, I know they're the top seed as we sit here today in the NFC but I still don't think they're any better than about the third or fourth team in the conference and maybe about the fifth or sixth best in the National Football League. You throw a wad on that team or a Julio Jones or an, an impact kind of player, Gary, and that, that tilts the field all of a sudden. Again, I couldn't agree with you more. I, if I'm Gutekunst, my biggest fear 
is that Seattle gets a big-time defensive end, whether it's Watt, whether it's Everson Griffin. I mean, can you imagine if, if Seattle adds that to their defensive front, uh, what kind of team they could be? I mean, that, that would take them to another level. Well, and think about it, Gary. That's exactly what they did last year, right? I mean, that, and that's John Schneider's approach, and it always has sure. been, and Pete Carroll's too. They, they've always said, let's go for it. And la- remember last year, they went out and got Jadavion Clowney. Um, I don't know, it was probably four, six, seven weeks into the mm-hmm. season. It was, it was nearing the, the, the trading deadline, I think. And, and he was certainly an impact player for them down the stretch. That's, that's how they do business in, in Seattle. I, I forgot to even mention them here as, uh, as we talk about the various teams that are going to, Gonna gonna try to make a run for uh, various guys here as the trade the trade deadline approaches. So, heck, they, they might already be the best team in the conference. They're certainly one of the best two or three, the Seahawks. And and Gary, I I I would be shocked if they don't add a piece or two. So I think the Heat's really on Gutekunst. And I think I I agree. I, I agree. At, at some point in time, Gary. Ted Thompson got killed and Ted Thompson got knocked around for never quote unquote going for it. Right. Right. Um, People got people got tired of 10, 11, 12 wins a season, a playoff win, and falling short in the divisional round in the NFC title game. And every offseason, people would scream, why doesn't Ted go for it? Why doesn't Ted go for it? It's time, man. It's 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 it time is. that, that, that Gutekunst goes for it. Because like I said, they're going to start a massive overhaul here, certainly by 2022, I think, when Jordan Love takes over at quarterback. And, and they're going to have all sorts of cap issues coming up in 2021. So they've got a little bit of room right now. They've got a five and one record. They lead or tied for the best record in in the conference, and they have an unbelievably favorable schedule in the second half of the season. Where if they can get to 13, 14 wins and add an impact player along the way, Gary, just maybe this is a year where they can they can actually make something happen come January. Well, can you imagine just from a morale standpoint, if Gutekunst goes out and gets a significant player? and says, you know what, we are going after it. I mean, if, if I'm on that team and I see my GM going out and getting a big-time player, you know, it, it would certainly pump me up. No doubt about it because it's, it's just not the norm in Little Green Bay, right? It's, it's just not mm-hmm. how they typically do business or, or haven't done for the last 15 years with Ted Thompson and now Brian Gutekunst in charge. Gutekunst has had two trading deadlines. On the first one, he sold off parts, and, and I get it. That was in 18 when they fired Mike McCarthy, and they were going nowhere fast, and he was able to move a guy like Ty Montgomery, who, who I think the fans were ready to run out of town after that Rams <laughs> game anyways. And, well, and he got draft picks for him, right? And, and that's all well and good. He didn't help the team at all last year, Gary. And uh, again, I'm not sure anybody saw 13 and three coming and, you know, what being one of the better teams in, in the conference, but he also didn't help that group either. And they were off to a strong start at, at this point a year ago. I, I don't think he can sit idly by Gary. I mean, if you, you, you mentioned what a boost it would be and rightfully so inside that locker room. If all of a sudden the JJ Watt shows up next week ah, and, and is, is playing for this football team. Now, Gary, think of it this way, too, and, and, and this might be even more crushing. What if all of a sudden you don't add a thing to your locker room and, you, and you know, you're flipping on whatever, the, 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 the random ESPN foxes of the world, and now you see yeah. J.J. JJ Watts a Seahawk, right? And uh, Julio Jones is a Saint, and, and A.J. Green is a 49er, and those kind of things. I, I think you're going out of your mind a little bit. What already <laughs> is an unbelievably challenging conference 
gets, you know, climbing that hill, pushing that boulder up that hill, Gary, becomes almost impossible for the 2020 Green Bay Packers. And so, again, I, I just go back to I think Gutekunst has done a solid job since he took over, but this really is his chance to, to kind of put a stamp on things and, and make a run at a Super Bowl, which, which I, I think is kind of the next step for him right now. Okie dokie. Let's rank the NFC teams, if you if you will. What do you want to do? Top five? Sure, top we can do the top five in the conference. Okay, this is how I, I have them listed. Okay. And, and you and I have pretty much agreed on this all year, that Green Bay and Seattle were the cream of the crop in the NFC. And Well, up until two weeks ago, I think that was accurate, yeah. Gary, until Tom Brady and, and that defense went nuts against the Packers. Precisely. And, and now, and, and you know, we don't know what the impact Antonio Brown is, but right now I have Seattle, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, New Orleans, the Rams, 49ers, Arizona, and I, I hate to say this, but the Bears coming at number eight. <laughs> I went through that rather quickly, but do you see any big differences in your top eight than what I have? I have Tampa number one in the conference. Okay. Gary, and I've gone through their schedule pretty closely over the, whatever they have, nine games, I guess, left, right? Are, mm-hmm. are they five and two, I think? You know, and I'm just, I'm calling it up quickly as we talk. Really, Gary, the only game they're going to be an underdog in, and they might not even be because they host this game. They, they host Kansas City in late November. But Tampa Bay is a team that has a really good chance, I think, Gary. They're five and two now. And, and if they do that with a head-to-head win against Green Bay, they could wind up being the number one seed. They're, mm-hmm. they're, just, they're getting better and better, Gary. Oh, um, no question. I, I, I don't understand the I, – I know you raved a little bit about Antonio Brown. They have so many pass catchers there the way it is with, with Godwin and Evans and now Gronk's emerging. You know, the, the, young, the young kid Miller who can fly. Mm-hmm. I, just, I didn't see a need for Antonio Brown on, on that roster. I, I, that is one to me – that's one to me that, that has a greater chance of busting than booming and it could blow everything up. They must really trust that Tom Brady can keep him in line, Gary, um, and, and, and Arians and, and the rest of those guys. Uh, well, Rob, did, if, did, if he, did you see the interview yesterday uh, with Arians? I, I don't know if you caught this or not, but he – emphatically said Tom Brady had zero, repeat, zero input in their dis- decision to bring in Antonio Brown. Do you buy that? No, I, I, I missed that. I, I, I don't buy it. I don't um, either. Not at, not at all. You, you don't no. ask Tom Brady to take on somebody like that without, you know, consulting him. Well, and no question, especially because Brady had, you know, the time with him in New England that they had, although it was brief. Precisely. You know, right, and and right. I, know he was, I know he was part of that bringing him to New England. So, no, I, I'm not buying that from Arians. Again, I just – I think Tampa Bay, the way they were constructed, Gary, was good enough to win a Super Bowl without Brown. And, boy, there's there's just such a risk there for, for problems and, and, and uh, you know, just, just things blowing up internally. I mean, he, he ruined that Pittsburgh locker room by the time his, you know, tenure there was, was done. And uh, they, they couldn't wait to get them out of town. You, you know um, what, Rob, though? The, the, this is pro sports. They don't care what happened to a guy. They, they yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. And I'll give you an example. Uh, going back to the days uh, when Dennis Rodman played for the Chicago Bulls, okay? I guarantee you 29 of the 30 teams probably went to touch Dennis Rodman because of what a knucklehead he is, okay? 
didn't it didn't matter to the Bulls. They wanted to win a title, right? Right. And, they, they, and in fairness, the Bulls they had Michael Jordan kind of rein them in. But you know what they did? They got him an apartment one block away from their training facility. They had a guy go over there every day, knock on his door, and say, Dennis, it's time to get up and go to work. <laughs> it's you know? genius. It is. I mean, you've been around this long enough. Teams will yep. put up with all sorts of crap as long as you can perform. And, Here, here's the only difference I'll say, though, Gary. Like you said, Jordan needed him, I think, to get you know that next batch of rings. Oakley was gone, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't have his enforcer. Again, I think Tampa was good enough the way it was. I, I, I still can't get out of my mind how, how brilliant and remarkably good that defense was two weeks ago against Green Bay. And, and yes, they're only getting yes. better on offense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Brady's just starting to find his rhythm with some of these guys. And all of a sudden, Gronk looks like 2015 Gronk again. And, that, and that's scary for the rest of the world. They have two running backs and – who, who, who can get after it. They didn't need a potential cancer to me, at least with Antonio Brown. So I'm going to put them one even, you know, I, I, I don't like the Brown signing at all, Gary. I, I'll say that now and we'll see how it works out. But I, I would have put them one in the conference with or without Brown. Gary, if he pans out like Andre Risen did in Green Bay 25 years ago. I'm telling um, you, Rob, it, that's going to happen. <laughs> it, it, if, it, if it does, Gary, they're, they're going to beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be a hell of a Super Bowl. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know how anybody defends Tampa Bay with with that group. And plus, they can play defense, which is such a rarity. I mean, about six or eight teams in this league can play defense, and so now now they have a top three offense and maybe the best defense in football. I mean, who's who's stopping them? So Tampa Bay is my number one. Gary, Seattle's still my number two, and and I I think they're only going to get better. I think they're going to add a piece or two at, at the deadline. I I know they lost that overtime game. Arizona took their first ding of the year. They put way too much on Russell, Russell's shoulders, Gary, mm-hmm. week in and week out. But he can handle it. He's good enough to do it. I, I've got them two. Um, I've got – all right, I'm going to put Green Bay three and San Francisco four. But I am going to say this, and I'll tease it early. I, I, Green Bay's not winning next Thursday in San Francisco. So that could that could <laughs> flip-flop a, a week we, from now. I, I, I know you've got these Packers at 15-1, and one, Gary, but I don't like them this – I don't like them – Even Sunday, A week huh? and a half again back – no, I, I like them against Minnesota. Yeah, I don't yeah. – we'll find out a lot about the Packers in a week, Gary, when they, when they go out to San Francisco, right? And, you know, they went out there last year twice and got absolutely annihilated. The Packers are – are sitting there with a nice pretty five and one record Gary, but the five teams they've beaten are a combined 10 and 22. They, they've only beaten one team with a winning record. And I, I know that's not their fault. Those are the mm-hmm. teams that, that are presented to you. You can only play who's on the schedule, but Gary, they, they, they've got a man up and, and, and beat a Tampa Bay, right? Beat a San Francisco, beat a Absolutely. Seattle. Um, you know, I know they beat New Orleans, which is a solid team, but the quarterback can't throw up more than 12 yards. I mean, so come on. At some point, I, to me, you kind of cross New Orleans off the list when, when the quarterback's arm is absolutely shot. So, sorry, back, back to the list. Tampa, <laughs> Seattle, Green Bay, San Francisco, and five, I'll put the Rams. But, boy, you can flip a coin between the Rams mm-hmm. and the Cardinals. I uh, agree. To me, Gary, those are dangerous, scary opponents. I mean, I, I think if Green Bay plays the Rams or the Cardinals on a neutral field, let's just say in the playoffs – 
Um, no, I, I know it won't be a neutral field, but if, if it was, I mean, the, those are coin toss games to me. I don't think there's a whole lot of separation there. I do think there's some separation up top with Tampa and maybe Seattle, but, uh, you know, Green Bay, San Francisco in the, in, at 3-4, and then Arizona and the Rams. That NFC West, Gary, is ridiculous. Somebody's going to win that division with four losses because they're all going to beat the bejesus out of each other. So uh, did your beloved Bears make the top eight? <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. That, After watching them on Monday night, they shouldn't be yeah, in the that, top 18, you know? So that would be six that I just gave you. So, so I would have the Saints seven, and then I would have the Bears eight. Okay, so we're, we're in total agreement on the top I eight. I think the same eight, yes. Yes, yes. So, okay, we're on because, the same because, because you can take that whole NFC East and flush it, right, Gary? Yeah, we, we might want to arch- archive that statement that we were totally in agreement <laughs> <laughs> with the eight teams in the in, in NFC. Hey, um, to wrap up our scintillating podcast, <laughs> we, we have to do our weekly around the NFC. And uh, I don't know where you were on Sunday, but you must have absolutely – gone nuts when the Lions came back to win and your guy Matthew Stafford uh, you know came through in the clutch well I think I was just jumping on to all the Packers zoom calls when because I think that ended right around the same time Green Bay Bay beat it by about 10 or 15 minutes and I think the Fox telecast took us quickly over to that Lions Falcons game Uh, I was more excited because TJ Hawkinson is my tight end in virtually every fantasy league I have, Gary. Not that anybody cares about that, but yeah. yeah you know what? I, I think you're ahead of your time. I think like three years from now, he is going to be the tight end. I really do. <laughs> he may be. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. He and that Fant in Denver who went in the, in the same draft a couple that, of that's, kids. that's my guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Fant is? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was, you know, not that I care who the Packers pick. Right. But I, I, I thought at that time they should have taken him. That, that was in the uh, Rashawn Gary draft, right? Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, Gary yeah. Savage. Yeah, so. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Yeah. And, I, and I know he went to like 20th to Denver, but no, I, I really like that guy a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, though, Gary, De- Detroit, we keep, we keep saying this, or I keep saying it on the show, they're, they're sneaky. They're going mm-hmm. to be 500. They're, they, they hang around every week with Stafford. Again, love the guy. He's going to keep you in every game. They're – I, I think pretty much every every key statistical category, Gary, tells you they'll play 500 football when Stafford's their guy. They're, they're, I'm just looking here. Their their point differential is minus nine, which is that of a 500 football team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've won two in a row now. They're three and one, amazingly. Oh, they're, the they're rolling. They're <laughs> rolling. They are rolling for for the Detroit Lions. That I think that qualifies as, as rolling. But you know. They kept themselves relevant with a win like that, Gary. I yes, mean, yes. In terms of seven teams get to the postseason this year, I think you get to nine or ten wins, you're, you're going to have a shot. I, I, I'm I assuming, Gary, after last year when they went 3-12-1, they have to have the fourth-place schedule, which tells me that, that the rest of their schedule is not going to be overly daunting. So Detroit could be in it until, you know, week 14-15 before they're eliminated from the playoffs. They're – they're, they're kind of an intriguing team, Gary. You know, I, I really hate to admit this, but I'm, I'm kind of a Stafford fan myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of this. I, I was taking a peek at their game Sunday. What if roles would have been reversed? What if Rodgers had played for the Lions and Stafford would have played at Green Bay with McCarthy? Ooh. You know what I'm saying? 
you know i've I mean, written that a handful of times with various opinions from people gary in terms of the rogers alex smith angle mm-hmm. um you know if, if rogers actually was the first pick back in old five yes, like he yes. wanted to be not alex smith and then alex smith had, had kind of plummeted that day on, on on draft day of of 05 and wound up the 24th pick to the packers would rogers career have kind of gone south in a hurry had he been in San Francisco and what Alex Smith turned out to be a, a probably, you know, a, obviously Rogers is going to the hall of fame. It, was Alex Smith going to uh, win a super bowl? Let's just say Gary and in, in mm-hmm. green Bay. It's the things like that are intriguing. I, you know, I, I don't know that I have a whole lot of faith in Mike McCarthy these days after, you know, the way things have gone now in Dallas, it makes you think that a lot of it was Rogers, you know, the overwhelming majority of it was Rogers and Favre, which, which, you know, doesn't, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a genius to figure any of that out, Gary. But, mm-hmm. uh, boy, it's it's gone south for, for Mike I, I, in a hurry there in, in <laughs> Dallas. And, and you know, so so I you know, I don't know that Mike McCarthy getting his hands on Matt Stafford would have been the best thing either for, for Matt Stafford. Um, you know, it, 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 it worked out fine for Rodgers. But, again, I think a lot of that, too, was based on, on the work and the time and the effort Rodgers puts into things, too. I mean, I – I think Rodgers could have succeeded in a lot of places. But back to my initial statement there, Gary, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure he would have ever succeeded in San Francisco had he shown up there in 05 because that place was a disaster. Precisely. All right, then we're uh, going to talk about my uh, favorite team, the Chicago Bears. Um, <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> there you we go. Talk, we talked about them. No, a, a, after watching them Monday night, I, I, I've been saying this all along, they might have the most inept offense in the NFL. They're just god-awful. And Nick Foles at times has his flashes, but they don't have one big-time player on that entire offense, at least in my mind. And uh, to me, they they got totally exposed, uh, you know, the other night. Yeah, probably the closest thing is Allen Robinson, right? Yes, the only one. He's not even, what, a top 15 wide receiver? No, if he's your number one receiver, he's at the bottom half of ones, isn't he? Yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah. No question. I mean, the running back is remarkably pedestrian. They have a million tight ends on that roster. I'm not, I'm not sure that any of them are worth a whole heck of a lot. They're they're okay players, right? Uh, but hey, Gary, it's it it's a it's borderline miraculous. I guess it's a huge credit to their coaching staff to have found a way to go five and one, right? To, I know they were. Hey, 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 wait a second. You were ripping on the Packers' schedule. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the Bears is every bit as bad, you know? Oh, it, there's no question. I mean, they beat what? The Lions, the Falcons, yes. the Giants um, along the way. They did beat Tampa, Gary, 2019. That's, Remember that's, that one night? I, I've that's heard a, that from a few Bear fans in the last couple That, of that is the one that jumps off the page. But, I, but I'm with you. That, that Rams game certainly exposed them in, in a lot of areas. I. I actually thought defensively, um, maybe somewhere in the middle, later part of that third quarter, early fourth, it, it looked like, I don't want to say they threw in the towel, but they certainly didn't have the same energy and effort level that they did early in the game. And, and that's not surprising, is it? Because they sat there with three on the board for forever. They got inside the red zone and, and Foles threw one of the dumber interceptions you, you know, you're, you're ever going to see. I don't know what he saw on, on the one play there was when they were down, I think, 17-3 that got picked in the end zone. Um, it just – I, I don't, Gary, it, it's going to be, I keep saying they're going to win nine or 10 games for sure because the schedule is weak and that defense mm-hmm. is good enough. 
you know, it does get tricky for them here the next couple of – they're in the middle of this murderer's roll stretch for them anyways. It was Rams last night or a couple mm-hmm. nights ago from when this podcast is going to wind up airing. Uh, Saints coming up this week, Gary, and then at Tennessee. Yeah. Well, that's all said and done. They, they could very easily be five and four and be yesterday's news, right? Three games back of the Packers. So what you're saying is the Lions like are going to have a better record than the Bears by the end of the season? I think those two are going to be close. I bet they yeah, finish with any I, I game agree. of each other, Gary. Yep. No, I, I'm on board with that. I bet somebody's nine and seven and somebody's eight and eight. Yeah, boy. <laughs> the defi- the definition of mediocrity. Yeah, the definition of mediocrity, right? Yeah, hey, no question. Okay, and then finally we come to the uh, Vikings, and uh, all you need to know about the Vikings and, and what they think about the rest of the year is what we brought up earlier in the podcast about <laughs> them trading probably their best defensive player. So their season's over. Uh, you know, they, they can work on, you know, trying to get some of their young players, you know, into becoming high-level players. But let, let's face it, their season's over. Their season is undoubtedly over. I'm with you, Gary. And, and, and it'll be even worse after, you know, about 3.30 on, on Sunday afternoon for them. They, <laughs> I think they're 28th in total defense, 29th in passing defense. We, we talked about Devontae Adams a lot at the start of this podcast. He, he'll, he'll have another huge day no matter what Minnesota's going to try. I, I would think Rodgers will keep feeding him, and, and he'll, he'll have a big game. Um, they'll run the ball really well, even if Aaron Jones doesn't play. They'll put up 35 to 40 points, I would think, again. And the Packers will have a pretty fun day um, at Lambeau Field come, come Sunday. They haven't been home in quite a while, Gary, and it'll, it'll be fun for him, I think, this week. So when are the uh, fans going to be coming into uh, Lambeau? Do you see that even happening this year? Not the way Brown County is such a hot spot still, right? right I mean, right, the, I think yeah. the numbers have to go down. It, it seems like it would be a stretch at this point, Gary, mm-hmm. to, to think they'll have some fans. I mean, I guess you never know by the time we get to December if the numbers – again, that, that, that situation with COVID is so fluid that you just don't know on a day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month basis – I would bet right now against it, Gary. I think I think they're going to be safe rather than sorry, and probably keep fannies out of the butts, uh, uh, butts out of the seats all year. Yeah, the right thing to do. Okay, Rob. One last question: Do the Packers make a trade? I'm going to say yes, Gary. I don't know that it's going to be a guy you and I have just got done talking about. I don't know if it's going to be a big name guy. I would lean against that. You know, I could see him trading a fifth for somebody's number three receiver, right? Or, or something like that. And, but I, I do think they're going to make a trade. I, I think Gutekunst understands that, hey, this window isn't going to be open a whole lot longer. He's got himself one heck of a head coach. The guy's remarkably creative and innovative. Get him one more piece, and come January, that there, there's a real chance this team could do something. So I'm, I'm going to go with yes, Gary. How about you? I will uh, agree with you. I, I think Gutekunst knows this is a, a very important point, and uh, you get one crack at it, and uh, he's got to send a message that, you know, seeing what Baltimore did, seeing what Tampa Bay did, if the Packers want to stay, you know, in lockstep with them, they they got to make a move. So, Rob, I, I think it's a wrap. Thanks again for all your intel and potential trade possibilities. Very enlightening. Well, well, we'll see what comes of it. It's, it's, it's always fun to just kind of sit around and play fantasy football, right, with, <laughs> with, with some of these parts and, 
and and you and I, Gary, don't have to make the numbers line up on this podcast, right? In the we we don't have to be Russ Ball and 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 try to fit a twelve million dollar contract into a seven million dollar <laughs> salary cap hole. That's why Russ Ball gets the big bucks. But from our seat, it's 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 fun to kind of play that game. Exactly. Well, Rob, thanks again, and uh, thanks to all our listeners. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.